Welcome to this edition of When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine, a discussion of sustainable living and what that means to you and me. I am Jay Warmke. And I'm Annie Warmke. There you go, a match set. And today <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about finding the life work balance, or as the bumper sticker always says, work to live, don't live to work. And 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 I know this is difficult for people, but I, I must say that I found it um refreshing when we lived in France because I think the entire nation of France, at least the folks we ran into sort of personify that attitude of, of life is about living. It's not about working. And, um, and the Americans are, are viewed sort of like out the side of their eyes going, really, you know, that's, that's what you want is, is to live to work. So, so is that a, is that a true perspective? I'm sure there are workaholic French people as well, but, but not nearly as many. I don't know. I, I I think it's more that they work hard when they work hard and they play hard when they play hard. And I don't think at least my generation, I don't think we know how to do that. Uh, I know I struggle with how to do that. I need to take a class or something, but uh, I'm work, I'm doing better. So, but today's the first day that you can live a little more and work a little less without traumas and without dramas and without big changes that are more scary than enjoyable and without having to request a leave of absence due to anxiety. You okay. Can, you're saying today, like today, this today, week or today in no, modern, today, modern society. Today, if you're listening to this, oh, this, this is, is the first day, the day, the this first day the of day. the rest of your life. Yeah. And so, so I just want to say before we talk too much about this is that I, feel like in the last few months, it's been a bit overwhelming in, in my personal life because I am somebody who people come to for um, emotional support. An unpaid counselor. I am. And I plan to keep being an unpaid counselor. Uh, some of the counseling that I do is really around goal setting and where you want to be in 10 years. And even with that, there is so much anxiety and so much pain and uh, it's gotten overwhelming for me lately. So that's the reason. Overwhelming I wanted... for you, not in your personal life, no. but because other people seem to just be, be completely crushed by this, this kind of soul sick society that we're dealing well, with. Well, I don't, I, I, sometimes I feel like they haven't even gotten that far. It's just, there are too many choices and, um, uh, people just, everybody uses the word anxiety um, when they're really talking about the fact that they don't seem to be good at planning. They don't seem to be good at relationships. And so it all kind of builds up for them because uh, they don't get along well with others or they listen too many, much to bad advice. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. But one of the things that a certain percentage of the population does is work to find value in themselves. It's like we have so much disconnection to nature and the things that really provide us with health in this life, like uh, good food, being in nature, developing meaningful relationships and, and being long-term in those relationships. Lots of people have crappy relationships that they'd like to get out of. I mean, every day, it seems like somebody calls me about that. Um, you see it on Facebook constantly. Well, I don't. 
Okay, you meaning the figurative you? I I I, that doesn't look at Facebook, but I know what you mean. When again, we were we remarked on this when we lived in Europe for a few years, and how when you meet somebody in America, it seems like the very first thing you do is tell people you tell each other what you do, what you do for a living, and that is the very first stage in defining who you are. Right, you're going for status. What you do. You're definitely going for status. But here's the thing. There is well, a let place. Well, let me just finish that oh. in Europe, I, I think the three years we were there, I don't think I ever met a single person who asked me what I did for a living. Well, it's because you were an they illegal immigrant. They, they didn't don't care. care. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care. Well, I was American. I didn't count. But uh, Yeah. So, but but the thing is, one is, I, I find that, you know, there are moments when it's important to say what you do. You're in a business meeting or whatever. But I, I'm often able to kind of throw people off balance a little, especially men, uh, when I'm talking with them through my own business, uh, and I'll, it'll be time to, I haven't, you know, I don't know these people well, but I'll, I'll have some moment either at the beginning or at the end of the call, uh, on the phone to say, oh, how are your kids? Uh, how's your wife? How's your mom? whatever they might've told me last time. Um, and, and there's this whole change of tone of voice, uh, you know, and they'll tell me like things they've been doing for fun with their kids. Or sometimes it can get dramatic. Like, well, we're going, I'm thinking about divorcing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I, I don't let it go that far, but it has happened. They call back for that call. I remember a used car salesman going into his whole, his whole life story. I'm like, okay, this is not a counseling session. I felt like saying, do we get a discount for this? Because, and when we got in the car, you couldn't stop laughing. You're like, I can't take you anywhere. People don't start telling you their problems. So, so the thing that I think we have to do if we want to make change in our life to have more balance between what's, what is enjoyable and fun and restful, those aren't always all the same thing and the work that we do. And I think that we have to, to sort of step back for a minute and lots of us have more than one job. You know, oftentimes women play the role of the managing the house and the children and the meals. And so we're doing full-time work, unpaid full-time work. And then we want to have a life or a career, or we have to have a life and a career uh, because we can't um, make it financially. So um, the most important thing in your life should not be your work. Well, I think what, and tying it back to sustainability, which is what this is all about, Basically, you can go through periods of time where where you're just overextended, and and that's that happens. That's normal. But right. if this is your default position, you cannot sustain that. And I think we're seeing the society sort of crumbling around the edges. You know, uh, this is a big part of it. There's a whole lot of reasons why why our society is all messed up. But um, but I think there is this complete disconnect, lack of balance between work and, and being, you know, just, just being. Well, we don't, we don't learn how to just be, uh, that's part of the challenge. But I also think that people work hard many times at nothing. So they, they say they're working, but they're really doing nothing. So anyway, the, it shouldn't be that work is the most important thing in our lives. It should never come before our 
our hobbies, our recreation, our loved ones, or our personal life in general. And it seems like that's up until this the last two generations, that has been the norm in this culture. But I think one thing that COVID has shown us is that the generation of people in their early 30s down to teens are going to be doing things a lot differently. They don't want to work 60 hours a week. But again, financially, that makes things change too, because it may mean that you don't buy a house and you live in a setting with lots of people. It changes everything in your life when you decide you're not going to work, have work as your as your main purpose. Well, I think there's that uh, that tombstone kind of thing, you know. Nobody wants on their tombstone, I should have worked more hours. You know, that's not the thing that when you come to the end of your days, that that's that's what you what you were missing. Yeah. So, so, okay. So we, we, you and I have already decided, all right, this is a problem. This is an imbalance. So what do you do? What do you do to try and improve this imbalance? Cause you, you do have to work to live. You can't just ignore that part. Um, but you don't have to live to work. So, um, so how do you deal with that? What do you do? Well, I think the first thing that you've got to do is recognize how it influence, how work influences your life. So, by doing that, you're basically saying, well, it influences my life through income. That's a, that's a challenge, especially if you can't afford the lifestyle that you want or that you're attempting to lead. Your, your work influences how much time you have left for hobbies and personal life. And it's not just time, but also energy, how much energy And I think that might even be more so because a lot of people say, oh, I don't need that much sleep or whatever, but you may not have the energy emotionally or physically to do anything but go to work and come back, especially with long commutes and living in a big city where things are very stressful. Um, Your job also influences your satisfaction level and your self-esteem. And uh, because many jobs don't give a sense of purpose, they don't give you a sense of accomplishment. And these are two sustenances we need in life. If we're not doing something that gives us a sense of accomplishment, um, we're probably not going to feel very good about our self-esteem. Especially if that's the major thing in your life. You know, you're spending all of your focus on this and you're not getting anything, any sense of it out of it, any self, self-worth. Well, even the other, the sort of another side of that is if your only focus is how much money you make, uh, that's just as bad as working too many hours. So we know a lot of people, not personally, but people who that's their whole life that, you know, no matter how much money they have, it's never enough. So they say, if I just had $600, I could do blah, 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 or I'd feel a lot more secure. Then they get there and they go, well, maybe more like $6,000. And then they get $6,000 and that's not enough. They need 60,000 and on and on and on because that's where their self-esteem lies. And our society gives that, reinforces that message. Like if you don't have $2 million, you can't retire, you know, to the, to the level that you're, you're expecting or whatever. And, and I've, I've met a lot of people, professional folks Pretty much without exception, if they went into that business, like insurance salesmen or lawyers, especially, primarily to make a lot of money, they're usually very miserable 
in what they're doing, you know, regardless of how much money they made. Whereas if they went into that work because they loved that work and then happened to make money as a result of it, you know, that's a whole different world. But that's people who do public service work as lawyers. That's not people who are. Nah, we don't pay people to do good things. Um, so work stress is another one, uh, looking at how that influences uh, you. And that's a big problem with health and also in producing anxiety. Also, if you expect to make a certain amount of money and you don't and you can't pay your bills, there's another source of stress. And then um, your career in general, how does it help you turn dreams into reality or how does it hold you back? And that that makes me think more about, um, you know, the kinds of things that we need to measure in life. So, you know, we have lots of podcasts where we talk about measuring everything in your life, not just your where you work and how you work, but also measuring your recreation, your uh, um, access to knowledge, your spiritual beliefs, your time with family, your time with friends, uh, all of those things you want to evaluate and lay against this, how work influences your life, because um, otherwise uh, you, you're just kind of lost. And you're going to be whipped around by all the stresses that we experience in this culture. Um, and, and your job, the point of your job is to give you a sense of accomplishment. That's true. But also to provide you with enough income and stability that you can do the activities you need to do in your life. So it, it, it really comes back to that balance. It's always about balance. And it's always about planning. Because I remember uh, once when um, it wasn't like we'd had enough, but we just really were thinking after uh, spending time in Central America in a different kind of lifestyle that we wanted to experience what it was like to step away from this culture for a while. And we thought, all right, we're going to sell everything and we're going to move to Central America. And then along came a big job opportunity for you. And we sat down and we looked at everything and we said, look, we can sell everything anytime and we can go, <laughs> but this is going to be a great opportunity, yeah. lots of travel and the, and your contract said I could travel with you when I wanted to, and they would pay. Sure. We could have a midlife crisis anytime. That's so. <laughs> right. And so, so we didn't do that. We did do it later, uh, not under the same <laughs> calm circumstances, but we did, we did do that. And that, uh, again, but saying, evaluating, saying, where's the balance in this? What's, what's the point? Okay. Well, you are listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warmke, reminding you it is indeed the end of the world as we know it. Thank God. Thank God. So, all right. Today we're talking a little bit about life-work balance. How do you sustain um, the, the right level? So, so we've touched on what some of the issues are. So, so what do you do about it? I mean, how do you, how do you deal with this? You're a workaholic or maybe you don't feel like you're a workaholic, but there are just all these pressures, you know, you've got to put in 60 hours a week just to make ends meet. Um, you know, that's, that's, well, the that's thing you're true for a lot on. of people, but then, so there are but, a lot but of is dividing. It? Is it? They well, feel that it is. No, because everybody, you know, there are socioeconomic levels. Sure. Sure. So if you are, for example, if you're, living in an area where it's mostly um, absentee landlords, you may be forced 
to pay by the week for your your accommodations. Um, it, it may not be that you have the option to have to to do things very differently. Poverty is is often a, a real trap. Okay, but let's assume you do. Let's okay, assume you can make some Okay, but then I was going to just changes. say that. So one of the other things, a statistic that I think shows us a little bit about why it might be a bit of a challenge is that Americans work 47 hours a week on average, and only 13% are satisfied with their job. And that 47 hours does not encompass your drive time. It doesn't encompass what it costs you to go to that job for your clothing. You have to have certain kind of clothing. You could eat meals uh, out probably for lunch. Um, other things that might distract you, like a drink after work. So work costs a lot of money to do. And that 47 hours probably morphs into more like uh, 55 or even 60 hours that still contributes to that work. So what's left over? And that's the problem. So uh, Scandinavi Scandinavians have a reputation for being very hardworking, but they also are very efficient in terms of the time they devote to their office and they don't do excessive work. And that's because they consider their way of organizing themselves to be good for the workers' health and what's good for the workers' health is good for the business health. Now, that is not American. There's <laughs> nothing American about it. Um, you know, they also do a lot for communities, and there's a big push for community connections and, uh, you know, just all kinds of ways that corporations and even small businesses support their workers. We, we, we have an absence of that in this culture. You, you feel... Like a lot of people feel like they're so valued by the corporation, but the minute something changes in that corporation and they say you're gone, it's as if you never existed. Right. I had a friend who worked for IBM, not to mention any initials, but uh, he was commenting that his his father had mentioned to him that, you know, stick your finger into a glass of water. And when you take that finger out, that's the hole you'll you'll leave in that corporation when you leave. And, and unfortunately, I think, um, you know, that's the reality. Most, most people, most workers, regardless of your position, are really considered as interchangeable parts, you know. Yes, with, well, they're, they're a commodity. So I could drill down even further into that, but I'm going to just talk uh, with the time we have left on uh, what, what it really takes to make the change for yourself, because we don't have the support of most corporations are not supporting regulating hours. You know, if you want to work more, they're not probably paying you by the hour. So they don't care if you work more, they want you to feel responsible, uh, for everything that's going on and a lot of nasty people that we have to work with and for. So one of the things that is really valued in other cultures, um, but can also be helpful to us in our individual lives is improving our productivity. So when we don't get things right, or we're not good at planning or um, uh, being efficient in what we do, so then that takes up a lot of time and we probably have to work extra. But an example of that also might be in the home where you say, all right, we're going to have a menu 
and certain nights, you know, this person's going to cook and that person's going to, person's going to cook. And that's a lot more efficient than, oh, what are we having for dinner tonight? Oh, I've got to stop at the grocery store. So the productivity isn't just about um, at work. It's also about your everyday life. And then also one of the real challenges I think a lot of people have is distractions at work. So, you know, we've often made jokes when we've done business with people about, you know, all the gossip and all the uh, talking that goes on, but also the phone. Uh, there are studies that show that if you're paying attention to your phone uh, to to notice the ding or the buzz that says you've got a message, that that eats up time, not just because you're checking it, but because now you have to get your brain back to where you were before. So well, back phones- when, when I worked in an office, the, the number of meetings were just mind numbing. You know, you hear this a lot. And anymore. you were the boss. Yeah, I was the <laughs> boss. So it was my fault. But, uh, but you just go, you know what, this meeting could have been an email, you know, you hear that periodically. And, and so can you limit the amount of meetings? And if you do have to have a meeting, can you limit the amount of time that's involved? You know, there are different techniques, like everybody's got to stand up during the meeting or whatever, you know, just to, because there's some people who really think that going to a meeting is actually like getting something done when, when in reality, they're, I always say they're just professional meeting goers. So. Okay. You're done with that. Yeah, no, no, I'll I'll never, (laughs) never be done with that rant. It's like a scripture or something. Uh Yep. Anyway, so another thing is managing the time you spend at work better. Um, so a lot of people think if you're multitasking, that that's really efficiency. And every study I've seen about multitasking says it's not really efficient at all. And that most people are no good at it. But if you prioritize things and focus from the beginning to the ending of that task, you're going to be a lot more efficient. It's going to take a lot less time. I just remember that Charles Emerson Winchester in MASH where he he was giving a lecture and he goes, I do one thing at a time, I do it very well, and then I move on. You know, <laughs> and that was his his approach. And of course the response was, should we hate him now or should we wait? So well, I think he was quite a selfish person, so there was more into it than that. But yeah. so the next idea Good philosophy though. another idea is plan breaks and stick to it. So if it's 10, 15, and so maybe you look at your schedule for the day and you say, uh, I'm going to take a break at 10, 15, and you take a break, it's 10, 15. You can set your phone or whatever. You need those few moments, maybe to go outside, maybe to uh, have a cold drink, definitely to tinkle. Um, all So lots of studies shows that people that uh, don't tinkle during the day when they should, it's really harmful to your health. Um, sounds like we're talking to five-year-olds, but it's it's true. And these are things that people skip. I hear it all the time about, from particularly women that they don't take time to go visit the girl's room. Um, also, another one is to avoid working overtime. You might think, oh, it's only a couple of hours, but those are hours that use up more energy and more emotional energy that could be devoted to something more important. And unless you are the head of the corporation, which is where the buck's supposed to stop, um, more than likely those couple of hours aren't going to make that much of a difference um, by postponing tasks. And and my experience is when I get to a certain point and I feel tired, I think, well, 
I will be fresher in the morning and I'm going to think about this differently. And almost always it goes much faster and I feel better about it because I'm able to focus more when I'm not tired. So lots of people think, oh, I'm so valuable because I take work home. And that's basically bologna sausage. That's the corporation uh, saying, hey, you want to work at home? That's fine. We're not paying you. So the more you do, make those phone calls at home. Do all these things. And I'm not talking about working at home during the day. I'm talking about you worked your eight hours and then you drove your hour home or rode the bus and then here you are and you're still going to be working. I just take office supplies home. So <laughs> that's, that's my contribution to the corporation. Oh, no, you just switched to watching, <laughs> watching uh, Jimmy Kimmel or something. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I can do that at work. No. Yeah. That is what you do at work. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so next to think about um, investing some of your earnings into hobbies and the things that bring joy to, to life. Um, and, and a lot of those things do take money. Um, I'm not talking about going to a concert where the tickets cost $6,000, but there are lots of cute little venues, uh, you know, sign up with some local community groups and you'll learn all about wonderful places to hear music inexpensively or even for free or decide, uh, I'm going to go to the fiddle contest in Clifftop Mountain, um, West Virginia this year. It costs 25 bucks to go and I can camp out and that won't cost me anything. And just the price of the gas to get there. Okay. So, so I'm, I'm hearing people say in their minds, okay, fine. I know this. I've heard these kind of things. Um, but, but my boss is yelling at me that I got to get this thing done. How do I make this happen? How do I, how do I create this life balance given the realities? I mean, what can I do? What can I do? Well, first of all, you, when you, go to get a job and they tell you what their requirements are, don't say yes if they're not your requirements. Say, these are my requirements. Is yeah. it going to work? Is it going to fit? Yeah. And, and you know, some people might be saying, well, I'm desperate for a job. But frankly, the unemployment rate is so low. And those jobs are probably really technical jobs. And we don't have enough people in this country to fill a lot of those jobs. Um, so the worker today is in a position to negotiate. Um, but I think a lot of it really does come back to me setting these standards for myself. Right. Know your, know your own worth. You know, walk in there and say, I have value to you. You should respect that Be, value. Being assertive. I, I mean, that's the thing is uh, the boss is going to suggest that you should attend something that's optional. And, you know, maybe there's some way to to do some kind of Zoom call or something like that or way to, uh, I know a lot of times I see webinars, I'd like to know uh, what went on, but I, I can't do it then. But I can get on the, um, I can get on the list and they'll send me the link and I can watch it when I want to. So I think being assertive, that's a really big one. Know when to stop. To, like I was just talking about, I'm tired. I know it's better if I wait till the morning. Don't stress if you can't unwind, you know, think of some things ahead of time, maybe even keep a list on the refrigerator of things that help you unwind, like take a walk, um, do some deep breathing, call up somebody that can remind you of how to, 
you know, be relaxed. Well, and we use that a lot of, you know, setting a time when you can stress out about something or worry about something. Oh, yeah. Something. Well, that's one that I like is to say, okay, I'm not going to worry about it today, but at three o'clock tomorrow, I can sit down for five minutes and I can worry about it. Okay, doke. Well, speaking of running out of time and planning ahead, you have been listening to When the Biomass Hits the Wind Turbine with Jay and Annie Warnke. We want to thank our never stressed and never overworked <laughs> uh, Emmy Award winning <laughs> producer, Adam Rich. And we want to thank you for spending just a little bit of time with us. And as your grandmother hopefully told you, the secret to a happy and sustainable life is play nice with others, clean up your own mess, and eat your veggies, Jay. Until next time. You can find more information on living sustainably in our unsustainable world at blueRockStation.com.